Father, it is the first requirement of ours as your children that we be responsive to you. As the God of this universe, as the Savior of the world, as the Lord of our lives, we need you. We need you desperately every day. And I pray even this very morning, as we take this moment to pause, to focus our attention on the Scripture, that we would hear your voice, that we would hear nothing else but the pure, unadulterated truth of the Word of God, and that your Holy Spirit would be the key to unlock it for us, so that we might not just hear it, but that we might understand it, and apply it to our hearts and lives that we might honor and glorify you. Thank you for gathering us this morning, Father, and we pray for your working in our hearts, nothing more and nothing less. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. There are uh, a lot of crises going on in the world right now, as I'm sure you're aware. If you listen to the news at all on any level or read any kind of newspaper or any kind of news websites, you'll see that there's a lot of stuff happening. Sorry, I'm truly... uh, I had a bag here that was pretty important to what I was going to be doing, and now it's gone. I know, you thought that was part of it, right? That was part of the shtick? No, it wasn't. (laughs) Thank you, Nathan. Just working on being neat and tidy and... Wow. I mean, how many teenagers would do that? (laughs) I hate to discourage that behavior. I really do. Uh, Back to... Where was I? Oh, yeah. Crises in the world. (laughs) One of the things that keeps coming back around for years and years and years and years is that we are going to run out of fresh water. Have you guys heard that one? Especially California. They are always talking about running out of fresh water, along with all of their other problems out there. That's a big one. Um, But let me introduce you to Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe is in the mid to north area of California. It's right on the California-Nevada border. Lake Tahoe is 1,645 feet deep. It's the eighth largest freshwater lake in the world. And if you took all of the water out of Lake Tahoe and spread it all over the state of California, it would cover the entire state with over 14 inches of water. There's enough water just in Lake Tahoe to give every single person, all 335 million of us in this country, 50 gallons a day for five years. And I said Lake Tahoe is the eighth largest freshwater lake in the world. Lake Superior is 120 times bigger than Lake Tahoe. The Caspian Sea is 576 times bigger than Lake Tahoe. You see, the water is there, 
it becomes a question of accessing it, okay? It's not a supply problem. It's an accessibility problem. Now, what does that have to do with Mark chapter 6 and God's Word? Well, one of the major components of faith is trusting that God will supply all of our needs. You have heard that before, right? Nod your head that you have heard that God will supply all of our needs. Now, when we think about that, we typically think about our financial needs, right? God will supply all of your financial needs. And that is an incredibly important area of our lives. Funds are necessary for ourselves and our families. And hopefully for those of us who are Christ followers, we can say that we trust him to supply in that way. But I want you to think about this this morning. Do we understand that it's not just that God can supply all of our needs or that he can find what we need and direct it towards us, but rather that all of the resources that we need, physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, are his and are in him. By that I mean that we must understand that God is not the broker of everything that we need. He's not the, the conduit of everything that we need, but he's the source of all that we need. What if I told you this morning that I have peanut butter cups? Hmm? I have peanut butter cups. Calvin? I'm going to hit you, bro. Daniel? All right. Lexi? Pretty cool, huh? Um, but I don't mean, I don't just have that. I mean, I have serious peanut butter cups. I mean, I've got, I've got all kinds of peanut butter cups. I've got dozens of peanut butter cups. I mean, this is... A lot, a lot of peanut butter cups. The old people don't even want them over there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concentrate over here, okay? Joey, Joey, I've got one for you. I mean, I've got, seriously, I've got, a, I've got a ton of these. I've got, what if I said I had, eno- I had enough for everyone? And you would say, okay, well, that's, that's cool, but that's just a snack, What if I told you right now that parked right behind this tent is a dump truck full of peanut butter cups? Lock the doors. And you might think, well, yeah, but even that will run out. I mean, look, I mean, there's 50 teenagers here. They alone could clean that dump truck out in a couple of hours. But what if I told you that I actually own a peanut butter cup factory out on the edge of town. And I could supply you with more peanut butter cups than you could possibly eat in your entire lifetime, but you have to go through me. You have to be connected to me. I'm the source. You see, we scrimp and we save and we work 
and we hoard. And by the way, this is not a message about money, I promise you. It is not a message about money. But we work and we scrimp and we save and we hoard to try and be sure that we have enough of whatever it is we need. Maybe it is money or time or energy or passion or emotional bandwidth. We hope, we hope that we have enough to do what we need to do. We wish that we had more to do other things, but we just don't. We'd like to keep going. We'd like to help others. We'd like to fit more things in, but it just can't happen. And I want to suggest to you that the problem might not be supply, but connectivity. God is the source of all that we need. Now, in Mark chapter 6, so much has already happened in Mark's gospel. I mean, what is this, week four? And already so much has gone on. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, we're jumping right into this passage, and it says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So here we are, and Christ has come onto the scene. Noah, you want to... Brother, I can hook you up, man, because I have an unlimited supply of peanut butter cups. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> Already in Mark's gospel, Christ has come onto the scene, he's been baptized, he has started to teach, he has been healing people. He has called a few of his disciples. He started answering their questions. And people have started hearing about him, and they've started seeking him out. Last week, Tim talked to us about Mark chapter 4 and the parable of the soils. Christ has started telling these stories. They're, they're analogies, they're metaphors, they're things that people can easily understand, but they have a spiritual meaning. Jesus has been casting out demons, if we read all of these passages to this point in Mark, and he even raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. And now at the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus decides to head home to Nazareth, his hometown. But sadly, there's no hero's welcome for him. There's no local boy meets good headline on the front page of the Nazareth Gazette. In fact, he was rejected. You remember when we started Mark four weeks ago, we said there is one key question in the book of Mark that we must answer. That Jesus asked his disciples, and he in turn asked each one of us, who do you, do you remember it? Who do you say that I am? Nazareth said, that's Mary's son. We watched him run around here and throw rocks and fish in the brook. I mean, his brothers are still here running the carpenter shop, and his sisters go to the same hair salon that we do down the street. He's nobody. So if you read all of Mark 6, you see that Jesus moved on. He went to other villages, and he healed, and he taught, 
and he called people to repentance, and he called the rest of his disciples, and he sent them out two by two. And when he sent the disciples out in pairs, he gave them authority to teach the gospel. And he gave them the authority to cast out demons, and he gave them the authority and the power to heal diseases. In the meantime, John the Baptist was killed for preaching repentance. You remember who John the Baptist was? He was Zachariah and Elizabeth's son. Remember we talked about him about six weeks ago? He had gone out. He was preparing the way for Jesus. He kept saying, the one is coming who's going to save us. And he was killed for his faith. And now the disciples are coming back to Jesus to report on what they had been doing, to share their stories, to get fresh orders Did they know that John the Baptist had been killed already? I don't know, but they certainly do now after they've come back. And they know that Jesus has been rejected in Nazareth. And look at verse 31 of Mark 6. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. All this is going around. You remember what one of the key words of Mark is? Do you remember what it is? It is, no, nobody remembers. Immediately, immediately, 45 times in the book of Mark. I mean, everything's happening, it's going. They're on the run. The disciples have been out. They've been doing all of these things, and they come back to Jesus. And what does Jesus say to them? They say, come on, get back out there, tough it out. No, interesting, he said, fellas, let's get some rest. Come, he says. That's literally an exclamation. It had been so hectic. It had been so crazy. It had been so busy. Did you notice as I read those verses for you as you looked at them, did you see? that Sometimes they didn't even have time to eat. That's how busy it was. So they hopped in a boat. And they headed to a little place that was off the beaten track. There weren't very many people around. If you notice there in that verse, the word that the Holy Spirit uses is the word desolate. Desolate literally means unpopulated. It means remote, deserted, so that they could pause and refresh Why did they do that? Because Christ knew that they would need that strength, they would need that rest, they would need that refreshing if they were going to be able to go out and serve him and care for people. Look at verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Um, Little flaw in the plan. (laughs) They were recognized because of what they had been doing, because of what Jesus had been doing in meeting people's needs and healing people and raising that little girl from the dead. And the disciples had been out there and they had been doing it too, that people recognized who they were were, and they ran ahead and beat them there. Now, I'm not solid on the geography. I don't know how that worked with them getting in the boat and where they were heading and the people running on foot and beating them there, but suffice it to say that they really wanted to be there. And they ran, and they got there ahead of them. Now, how do you think that made the disciples feel? 
I can tell you how I would have felt in my humanness. I would want to be helping people. I know that's what God has called me to do, but I probably on the inside would be and have been a little bit disappointed because <laughs> I was exhausted. These guys were exhausted. I'm game to keep going, but Jesus suggested a break, which sounds awesome, but then it gets taken away. Verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. We don't exactly know how the disciples were feeling because the Holy Spirit through Mark does not share that with us. But when Jesus stepped off the boat and saw everyone, he had compassion on them. He felt mercy and grace toward them because, notice what it says, they seemed lost. They needed help. They needed guidance They needed wisdom, so he didn't get angry. He didn't get impatient with them. He didn't send them away. He didn't say, you ruined our plans for a vacation. He taught them, and he gave them what they needed. Look at verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Remember, this is a desolate place. Remember what the word desolate means? No? Already? I know. I asked too much. Unpopulated. Remote. And we are not talking about Buckfield unpopulated and remote. (laughs) We're not talking Sumner unpopulated remote. Sorry, Buckfield and Sumner people. You know I love you. I mean remote. Anybody know where Wittapitlock Lake is? It's in Maine. Wittapitlock Lake. Is a gorgeous place, beautiful. It is what I would call, wouldn't you agree, Gavin? Unpopulated, (laughs) remote. It is the kind of place that when you're driving up the road, it doesn't say entering the metropolis of Buckfield, it says entering T2R4. (laughs) These places don't even have names. That's where they were. It was a desolate place. It was so desolate, there was no Burger King. So desolate, there wasn't even a Dunkin' Donuts. No Hannaford, no Walmart, not even a 7-Eleven or a Rusty Lantern. There was nothing, nothing. And the disciples said, They're going to have to go find food for themselves. Now, to this point, the disciples have played along, right? 
let's just guess, although the disciples may have been better people than us, let's just guess they were like us. And at this point in the day, they were super tired of all of these people being right up in their faces. Needing, 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 wanting. They bided their time. They humored Jesus. He had compassion on them. He started teaching. Okay. All right, everybody. The show's over. Time to get on up out of here and go get yourself something to eat. Find some place to sleep for the night. Look at verse 37. But he, that is Jesus, answered them. Do you hear this now? You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they find out, found out, they said, Five and two fish. Okay, Jesus, tell these people to get out of here so we can have our rest. No. You feed them. And I'm sure the disciples in their minds, I know I'm speculating here, but I know human nature because I am one. Oh, what are we going to do? Dig all the food out of our pockets for thousands of people and just give it to them? They did respond, by the way. Uh, they were bold because this is Jesus that they're talking to. Oh, what do you want us to do? Take all of our money and pool it and buy food for all these people? I don't know how up to date your denarii to dollar conversion table is, but I'm telling you, I'm serious. In today's, in our money, that's like $40,000. 200 denarii was a ton of money. So they were being, you know, just a smidge sarcastic with Jesus here. Oh, what do you want us to do? Take 40th grand and go buy Happy Meals for everybody? I mean, what do you want us to do here, Jesus? This is what they're, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm telling you, this is what they're saying. What do you want us to do? Take 40 grand and go buy food for everyone? That's ridiculous. And what did Jesus say? He said, go look. Go look. So they did. What did they find? Five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, depending on the size of the crew, five loaves and two fish could be a dinner party. I mean, if you've got ten people, five loaves and two fish is probably enough. But you need to understand something about these five loaves of bread and these two fish. The technical term that we would use in 2024 for this amount of food is the word lunchable. It's a lunchable. You know how I know that? 
because this is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when John tells his story, he says they went out all through the crowd and they found one little boy who had a lunch that his mother packed him. She didn't pack him a dinner party. She packed him a lunch. These loaves were probably small wafers. These fish were probably small pickled fish, like picture a sardine or a pickled herring. It was literally a first century Lunchable. That's what they had. This is all we got, Jesus. Need we say more? I mean, were we right or were we right? But they forgot or didn't know that Jesus was the source of all things. Look at verse 39. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. So Jesus sits everyone down. He organizes them a little bit. Have you ever wondered why he made them sit down in 50s and 100s? I mean, what's the point with that many people? Why didn't you just have them sit down? I don't know. You thought I was going to tell you why? I don't know. I don't know why. I was asking if any of you knew why he did that. I don't know. Maybe so they could be counted. Maybe so somebody afterward could say, There was like 5,000 guys there. I'm not sure. But he takes the food and he blesses it. Please notice that he simply blesses it. Nothing else. Just his words, just his presence, just his blessing. Look at verse 42. Before we read verse 42, people like to look at this miracle and they like to say things like, was there really that many people there? Did they really eat or did they just have a snack? Did they each have a little taste? Kind of like we do communion sometimes, the world's tiniest cracker and a thimble full of juice. Did they each just have a little bite? Did they each get a crumb? And they try to explain away what Jesus did here. But I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit anticipated the cynicism of our world and our human nature. And notice what he wrote in verse 42. And they, what does it say? And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. They didn't have a nibble. They didn't have a taste. They didn't have a snack. They had enough. They were full. They weren't hungry anymore. 
Jesus took a little boy's lunch and he made it enough. Notice what it says, for 5,000 men. Now, men here doesn't mean like sometimes we see, well, 5,000 men meaning 5,000 people. Because when Matthew tells a story, remember this is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. When Matthew tells it, over in Matthew 14, do you know what he says? There were 5,000 men besides the women and children. So how many people were there? 10,000? 15,000? I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to think that there were 15,000 people here. If most of these men were married and they had their families with them, yes, some of them might not have been. Some of them might have had one child. Some of them might have had five children. We don't know. 15,000, 20,000. Can I ask you this question? Does it even really matter at that point? Would we say, well... I can see feeding 5,000 people with a Lunchable, but, you know, if it had been 10,000, then that really would have been something, right? 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, how many ever it was. And there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Again, I've heard people say, well, we don't know how big the baskets were. Really? Does that really matter at this point? I mean, basket ladies out there, I know you have those little teeny tiny baskets that don't do nothing except sit on a shelf and look cute. I don't care if it's 12 of those. Everyone ate and they were satisfied and there was extra. How did that happen? How was there enough for everyone to eat from a little boy's lunch, there is only one explanation, my friends, and it is this, the presence of Jesus Christ. God is the source of all you need. Physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, he always provides. I want you to see that he provided in two different ways in this story, in this event. First of all, he provided for the crowd. Their physical needs were met, the food, the provisions that they needed to survive, to satiate their hunger. He met those needs. But he also provided for his disciples, whose needs were, yes, physical because they needed to eat too and they needed to dress because they were tired, but even more so God provided for their spiritual and emotional needs so that they could keep going, so that they could care for the people, so that they could serve. You may be familiar with a verse found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is his promise to you and his promise to me. But why do we lack? Well, there is a variable that we need to consider. Lake Tahoe has plenty of water. I have plenty of peanut butter cups. There are still some left. 
God. We'll get them, brother. God is the source. He's the source of all resources. The question is not, can God supply my need physically, financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? The question is, how is your connection to Him? It's not a supply problem. It's a connectivity problem. Where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Who do you say that he is? Are you like Nazareth? Oh, he's just a local guy trying to make a name for himself. Or do you say that he is God? John 15, verse 1, Jesus said it this way. He explained all of this and he said, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus Christ is the source of everything that we need for our lives. The point of this story, my friends, if you remember nothing else, remember this. The point of this story is not that Jesus could feed 15,000 people with a kid's lunch. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus is the source of all things, and you need to decide who he is. And you have to grow and draw close to him and foster that connection because he is the source of it all. Everything is found in Christ. I want to invite you to stand and sing a song for us, with us, testifying of that fact. Afterwards, I'm going to come back. I want to show you one more thing that happened in this passage. But I invite you to join us as we worship the Lord and give thanks for His fullness and His supply for us. What key, word of, key, key word of Mark? Immediately. immediately. If we read right after this happened, immediately after this, Jesus put the disciples in the boat again, set them back off across the lake, and a storm comes up. And the disciples were fearing for their lives, and Jesus came walking across the water to them. But that wouldn't have been shocking to these guys, right? They just saw him feed 15,000 people with a little kid's lunch. Now listen to what it says happened in Mark chapter 6, verse 51. Jesus walked across the water through the storm and climbed into the boat. And the wind ceased. And they were, listen to what it says, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. 
They were astounded. They just saw him feed 15,000 people with nothing. But they were astounded because they had not fully grasped that he could trust him. Are you hearing me this morning, my friends? They were out there. They were preaching the gospel. They were healing people. They were casting out demons, but they still did not fully trust him. It is possible to be standing here this morning and say, oh, I believe God, I trust God, I'm serving God, I'm doing all this stuff. But be just like the disciples. And your heart is hard to what Jesus can really do in your life, what he can really supply. Remember last week? Remember Pastor Tim talking about the soils? Remember the first one? It was hard-packed earth. And the seed, the truth could not get in. Now, some of y'all are standing here this morning, you're like, I don't understand why my life is falling apart. I don't understand why I'm going all through this. Maybe God is trying to rip up that soil so that the seed can get in there. So the truth can... I love God. I want to do all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. But your heart is hard. And you don't understand. And you read this and you miss the point. The point is that Jesus is the source of everything you need. And if you are not getting that point, you need to break up the hard pack on your heart. Do you believe that? <laughs> you get it. You better be careful. Because if you say you believe it, I'm going to be expecting you to live it. And so is God. This is where it gets real. We can be in here. We can be all warm and snuggly. We can throw peanut butter cups all over the place. We can have a good time. We can sing our guts out. But if we don't go out there and actually trust him to do what he can do, then it means nothing. It means nothing. Father, we need to get this. And sometimes our hearts are hard. So we are asking you to help us by your Holy Spirit rip up that hard ground that parable last week was for us. It's not just about the gospel. It's about hearing the truth every day in our hearts and lives. Some of us got to pick some rocks. Some of us got to rip up some thorns. Some of us have got to break up that hard ground so that we can hear the truth, so that we can receive it, ingest it, and let it change us. Thank you for this event Thank you for this record of Jesus and his greatness and his supply. We need it. I pray that everyone who is in here right now and everyone who walks out that door in a few minutes would truly grasp what you are saying to us, that we would not soon forget what your word has spoken and what your Holy Spirit is trying to impress upon our hearts. We want to be your people, Lord. We want to share the gospel. We want to see you do great things and change people's hearts. Use us to do it.
Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, folks. I hope you have a great week.